diverse exhortation of the book of Romans. Um, we try to do every, not just topical messages, but we want to uh, deal with everything from doctrine to restoration to um, just a, a slew of topics. And so this week, probably for, I, I don't know how long, go figure, we'll finish chapter 1 this week, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's 16 chapters in the book of Romans. We intend to go through them all um, so that you have a well-versed uh, knowledge of doctrine and theology, because Romans is probably the richest book in the whole Bible concerning doctrine. This morning, I want you <laughs> to, to just imagine in your mind you are a defendant in the courtroom. You've been um, indicted because the verses that we deal with from verse 18 to verse 32 is one could stand and say, Hear ye, hear ye. Uh, court is now in session. Because that is what Paul is doing. Um, it, it is Romans one eighteen is the door that leads to God's courtroom. Um, the picture Paul paints here is an ugly one of humanity. Uh, the world, not just this, the, not just an individual that we can see sin in their life, but the world is guilty before God in these verses, and all need the righteousness that we spoke about, which is Christ, in verse 17. He is not attempting to prove us sinners. He is simply stating the facts that you are, I am, and everyone that has come from Adam and Eve to present age are guilty before God as being a sinner. And so we'll begin with verse 18 and read it, and then I'll make a few comments and go to verses 19 through 21 and those other verses through verse 32 as we proceed this morning. Verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Key verse, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that simply he is stating that my avoiding the truth of my unrighteousness does not eliminate it. It does not eliminate it. This section of scripture does not teach evolution that man started low and climbed high. It in fact teaches devolution. Man started high in the Garden of Eden and the fact is that they sank low. And it, 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 where it says it is revealed, go back and look at that, it is revealed from heaven God's wrath it is speaking about is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. In other words, there's God's constant and insistent 
displeasure with sin and evil from then until now. And the sinner must have the righteousness of God, which is Christ, applied, or the wrath of God will stand upon all human beings, one or the other. There is no in-between. You will either have Christ and be pronounced righteous and have a home in heaven eternal, or the wrath of God will abide on you and you will spend eternity in hell. It is just that plain and simple, Paul is saying. Both are revealed from heaven. It's not some man-made concoction. And, they, and, and, it, it, and sin is and will, is. Notice sin is and will be dealt with by God. I've been a pastor long enough. I, I first uh, called to preach in 1975. And I've been around long enough to see again and again and again the judgment of sin on people's lives in this lifetime on earth. I've watched it. And Romans 1, 19 through 21, I want to read to you. It, is, is just, it just continues this indictment. As it says, because what may be known of God is manifest to them. For God has shown it to them. It's not something that you don't understand or know. God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You're without excuse. I'm without excuse because of creation. It just shows the attributes of God because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Man is condemned simply because creation reveals to all men his eternal power is what Paul is saying and his person. There is nothing else that is and that, that shows the universe is the witness of these two things, God's eternal power and his creation, his, his person is a clear light of the revelation of this book. In other words, creation speaks the revelation as we can see God's eternal power and his person. David, the psalmist in Psalms 8 verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Creation, again, witnesses the power of God and his person. He goes on in Psalms 19, verse 1. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. Once again, the psalmist is, is sustaining and complementing the creation and crea states that creation reveals that 
There is a God and his power. There are four stages here in these passages of Scripture that mark man's tragic devolution, their fall from, from God's grace and his presence. And it begins with his intelligence. It, you'll notice we've already mentioned creation. Human history began with man knowing God and being created in the Garden of Eden. And if you look at the context of these verses, Paul is beginning in the Garden of Eden to expose the fall of man. He, and, and human history began with man knowing God, he stated. He said, because what may be known of God is manifest to them. The them he is speaking about was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve uh, rejected uh, God and, and he states here that, they, that man began knowing God, but man turned the tr- from the truth and rejected God in the Garden of Eden. And however, that also Adam and Eve suppressed the truth. If, and, and I don't have time to turn and show you that exact event, but if you want to go read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's very vivid as to what the truth of God is and how they suppressed the truth. As do we. That that act has continued clear until this day. We suppress the truth of God and do not allow this truth to work in our lives. We, We are not convicted by the truth of God because we suppress the truth. And we want to say that the book is not the final authority. Bless God, you'll find that not to be true someday. You'll find it not to be true someday because the truth of God will not be suppressed. And intelligence, and he clearly states, we are, in verse 20, we are without excuse. Everybody is without excuse. Which takes us to the second stage, which is ignorance. We go from intelligence to ignorance in this passage. Man knew God, this is clear, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and did not honor God, is the indictment that Paul is presenting over mankind in the courtroom of life. And he states here, they, Adam and Eve, we included, are willing to use God's gifts, We are willing to breathe God's air. We are willing to take his creation and drink his water and eat his food. But are not thankful, are not grateful, and do not worship or praise him for what he has provided us. That's the indictment. He goes on in verse 21 and says, Although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Think about that. They disobeyed. Verse 22 goes on to say, professing to be wise, there's the intelligence. They became fools, there's the ignorance. We clearly see 
the intelligence, God revealing his power and his person, then the ignorance of rejection, and still prevalent today. The teaching of evolution of a thousand years, the willing rebellion in the presence of a clear light, creation, and it's just, it's, it's unbelievable what our kids are taught in the classrooms. Uh, and, and God have mercy on what's happening in our school systems throughout this country. Uh, that's all I can say. Because they will, teachers will be held accountable. As will educators in general. Willful rebellion in the presence of the light of God's word. Um, and, and every parent, let me just stop here and, and give a 10 second commercial. You know, you, you go to Kings Island, you, you go to Six Flags, you go to all these different places. Every parent in this room ought to take a weekend and go to create Ken Ham to the Creation Museum and teach your kids something about the difference between the thought process of evolution and creation because they've got it right according to the scripture. And it would be money a whole lot better spent to go to the Creation Museum and then leave from there and go to Noah's Ark and just see the truth from the Word of God because it's very, very, very well pre- presented. And they, every parent ought to invest while you're there to Creation Museum. Just go in the book room and buy the Foundations Bible Study for kids and take that home and you'll learn more yourself than what you really know. And it'll deal with the intelligence of creation and the ignorance of rejection and, and what kids are taught in the classrooms. Uh, I mean, it, it clears all of this... Uh, these professors and their intellectual poppycock, it just does away with it. And, and it's the foolishness that our kids are taught in universities. And, and I'll go on record this morning to say that, and you just send them all to me because I've got some books I'll give them about what God's Word says. Better than that, I'll just take you right to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created, and it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Commercial over. We go from intelligence, man being uh, uh, knowing God, we go to ignorance, man rejecting God, and then the third stage we see is indulgence, total indulgence. And from idolatry, idolatry to immorality was and still is just one short step. One short step from idolatry to immorality. Man feels he can do whatever he pleases, Paul says, in these, in, is, is the theme of these scriptures. And, and please I understand whenever I get ready to say what, what I say. One reason this COVID period that we are in is so dangerous to me is missing church is just one step away from total backslidden. One step away from total backslidden. Indulgence is, is in things that draw you away from God 
the lackadaisical attitude toward church, toward giving, toward service, toward attendance, toward reading your Bible, toward devotion and prayer. They, these people went from idolatry to immorality. immorality. And, and don't think that it can't happen to you. I could tell you my life story, how that you're just one step away from backslidden. All of us, we are human. We have the same tendencies. We all need church and the preaching of the Word of God. I didn't say that, and I explained it to you. By the foolishness of preaching, God chose to save them that would believe. Uh, We can all get comfortable in our sin, our pleasures, our sports, our summer activities. I thank God. I, I, don't, I don't know where he's sitting. Kyle told me when he came back to church a few uh, months ago, he said, I got comfortable in getting on my boat and going, to, going during church on Sunday mornings during COVID. We all can do that. I remember Brother Dave, who pastored this church for many years, saying, we can get comfortable and our coffee on the sofa tastes better and felt better than being in church. Man exchanged the truth of God by indulgence for a lie is what is painted. And, and I'm just as well off in the woods becomes our theme or in my fishing boat. They don't, <laughs> hey, don't tell that to me. Go read Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 25 and following come back and tell me that because I don't believe it to be true and the reason I don't believe it to be true is because God said so Romans 1 verses 23 through 27 simply states they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. What's he talking about? Idolatry. The things in life that we worship. In Moses' day, it was a golden calf. In our day, it can be a piece of ground or a hobby. It can be anything that we idolize instead of God. Things that we do that take the place of God in our life. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness. And you'll find those words, gave them up or turned them over, three different times in these passages. He said, it gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. What's he talking about? Sexual immorality. I'll read on. It's not my words, it's God's word. But folks have a big problem whenever I start talking about sexual immorality. He goes on to say that he turned them over, gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their own bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever, speaking of God. Amen. He goes on to say, For this reason, second time, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what was against nature. 
Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women. He's speaking about sex. Natural use of women burned in their lust for one another, men with men, homosexuality, committing that which is shameful and deceiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was done. They went from idolatry to immorality to homosexuality, plainly being named as immorality in this passage. And three times in this scripture, it says God gave them up. Verse 24, verse 26, and verse 28. What does that mean? God gave them up. He permitted them to go on in their sins and reap the sad consequences without drawing them again to the Savior is what it amounts to. He gave them up. He, He quit trying to reach them. That's a sad lot. If you're sitting here this morning, I'll promise you the Holy Spirit of God draws you. He wants you to trust Christ as your Savior. That's that heavy pounding. That's that knock on your heart door to try to get you to receive Christ. I spoke with a gentleman after a funeral on Friday, 50-some years old, raised in a Christian home. Have you ever trusted Christ? No. He had just watched his, uh, I guess it would be his dad, they called it, but it would be the individual that raised him at the funeral. I said, is there ever a time you've trusted Christ? No. I said, people all the time want to tell you, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Straight up and fly right. I said, I'm going to give you a little piece of paper here that has four steps. What it is to trust Christ. If you ever expect to see him again, you're going to have to trust Christ. Read this paper when you go home. Call me if you have questions. You see, that drawing of God, that intervention in people's lives, God stopped that in these people's lives. He gave them up, turned them over. He permitted them to go in their sins and on in their sin and reap the sad consequences. He permits them is the word that is best used. They will receive the due penalty for their sins. All sin has consequences. All sin. I'm not just calling out sexual perversion. All our sin has consequences. It's just, you know, premarital sex, it has consequences. Uh, You know, yeah, given, yes, you know, a pregnancy can result, and then there's a child to raise, or there's an abortion, which has consequences, which is, you know, the taking of the life of the unborn, which has consequences. All can be forgiven. All can be forgiven. And, and, and yet, there's still a hardship and a guilt. You can pull the nail out of the wall and there's still a scar. There's still a hole. There's still a void and empty. Sin has consequences. And sometimes it's just the guilt. However, I, I'll never understand 
churches in our day and pastors that, that don't understand the word of God and espousing sexual perversion. I'll, I'll never understand it. Agreeing with it instead of condemning it. Uh, idolatry and immorality are bitter fruits of rejecting God's revelation and God gave them up and handed them over. Dishonor, disgrace, depravity, regardless of what public opinion is today or political opinion. (laughs) I need to throw that in there. Regardless of what it is today, perversion had entered and the glory of God had passed away is what Paul was saying in this indictment. (coughs) The child of God, I'm talking to Christians, the child of God who tells me they can live in perversion, they can live a life of contemporary permissiveness without conviction or chastisement is only kidding him or herself. Refusing, the fourth stage is impeditance. It's refusing to repent. And the fourth stage talks about the adherence to your own ideas or desires or self-will. Continual or habitual, non-repentant, unconfessed sin by the child of God please understand, are dealt with in this life here on earth. Your sin is dealt with with in this life here on earth if you are a child of God. The wrath of God in hell has already been removed from your life as the penalty for your sin if you're a saved individual. But be sure if you're a child of God, your sin will find you out in this lifetime. You say, I don't believe that. Then you don't believe the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 6, 7, and 8. And listen closely. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. What's chastening or chastisement? It's the same thing your mom and daddy did if they loved you. They got a switch or a belt. With whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son. Not some, every son he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are bastards or illegitimate and not sons. In other words, the child of God that continues in their sin unrepentant and unconfessed, if you're not chastened, you're not saved. I didn't say it, God said it. If you're not convicted and experienced the chastening of God, then you're not saved because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you convicts you of your sin and deals with it in your lifetime here on earth. And the Bible even goes on to say, for this call some among you sleep 
In other words, if you don't quit your sinning, God will call you home at some point in time. And it can be premature to what was really planned. You say, I've never heard that before. You, don't, you haven't read your Bible. Refusing to repent then and now is very prevalent. And Paul was speaking about it out loud in this passage. And the next three verses are a laundry list of sins which speak of man's rebellion against God, all of which we can read in the headlines of today's news. Not just calling out sexual perversion of any sort, from adultery to homosexuality, any and all of the above, he deals with all sins in this passage. Beginning in verse 28, and I've put this up for, on the NIV because it's a little bit easier to understand. It says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, intellectual, God gave them over to a depraved mind, Ignorance, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Evil, greed, he's, talking, he's starting to name these sins. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips slanderers, God-haters, rude, arrogant, boastful. They invent <laughs> ways. Paul, Paul wasn't going to leave anything out. They invent ways of doing evil. That's the indictment against us. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity. In other words, there's no loyalty or faithfulness in their life. No love, no mercy. And it sounds like today's church almost. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Could we not read that in today's headline? Paul names 24 specific sins apart from sexual perversion here. And you can find others if yours was not named there or mine in Mark 7, 2023, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, 1 Timothy 9 and 10, and 2 Timothy 3, 2 and 5. There's a whole laundry list of sins. And men not only committed them then, but we continue to commit the, these sins today in open defiance of God. You notice they also encouraged others to do likewise. We're all guilty. God's courtroom. Paul's indictment. The word of God's indictment. How far man has fell since the Garden of Eden. We began by knowing God. 
and refused to keep that knowledge. What was the verdict in all of this? He gave it to us. We are without excuse. Guilty. Think of that. We're without excuse. Guilty. And he gives ample proof that we are lost in need of a Savior. The righteousness. We're desperate in the need to hear the gospel. For this is the only way to be saved that he told us in verse 17 prior to all this. We need the righteousness of God revealed to us, which is Christ. You cannot live good enough to redeem yourself. For all our righteousness is as filthy rags, according to Isaiah. This religion that props up people and says, we are self-righteous, we do not sin, is a lie. We all are sinners, condemned and indicted in these 12 or 14 verses of Scripture. And our only hope is the righteousness of God applied And the way that happens or happened and it still happens is Christ died for our sins. They were placed upon him on a cross. And in turn, he took our sin and God accepted the punishment of his son or without excuse and said, if you'll put your faith and trust in my son, And believe that he died for you and paid your price. And as best you know how, trust him by simply bowing your head and asking him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and save you. Then the condemnation that was yours was applied to Christ and you in turn received the righteousness of God. And have hope. That's the gospel. Condemned in God's courtroom. To be free from that guilt. By the blood of Christ that is applied to your life. If you'll simply trust him. Let's stand.